All right, let's get to it. You ready? Okay, so we've been talking about the table. I've been making you really hungry every week. And um, the different things that, that, that are around the table and what the table can do in us and, and um, among us as, as a church and as a people, as a family, as individuals, as couples. And uh, we're going to wrap that up today. Um, here's the deal with the table. It is, it's, it's central in Scripture. The table, if you, if you read scripture from the beginning to the end, you'll see the tables show up in many different places, and God is doing uh, so much uh, in and around the table to help pull his people in and try to form us as individuals. So God, if you think about it, the table, um, when we eat at the table, it forms us. But God wants symbolically to also transform us in the process of, of, of gathering around the table. The table is really, really important. And I want to kind of pull it um, into a center today and focus our attention. And we're going to close today with communion um, because it was that table that really changed everything for us. So that's where we're headed today. And I'm going to tell you a couple stories to get us there and a few little pieces. One thing that we know about the table is it's a reminder that God provides all that we need. The table is a reminder of God's provision in our life. And not just about his provision to us, but also that when, when our table overflows, he calls us to, to join him in providing for others, right? And uh, it's, it's not just enough for us to recognize his provision and then allow that to continue to build up and build up, but he wants us to share that. From the very beginning, God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I want you to be a blessing to others. So we're called to be blessings to others. And we can do that, right, church? We can share with what God's given us. You guys have done unbelievable, and it's not always food, uh, diapers. The diapers, just a little picture of you sharing what God has given you uh, to bless other people, which is incredible. Not only that, the, the table invites humility out of us if we pay attention. The, the table reminds us um, that, that, that we, we have needs that we can't meet on our own, that we can't cause the sun to rise and the, the rain to fall that produces food and animals that we, we consume, that that is someone else's. And so it, it calls us to be people that are humble. And if you remember Jesus, he told his disciples, when you, when you are invited to a, a table, don't sit at the head of the table. Like, don't puff yourself up like you, you belong there and you belong in the most important spot. He says, actually, you should take the least important spot. And then when the host sees you, He'll invite you to move up, right? And he says this about God, that those uh, with God, those who, who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves, God will, will lift up. Yeah, will exalt. So it invites us into a place of humility. And then um, last week we talked about this sacred celebration that, that Jesus, um, he, he gathered around the table a lot. And uh, someone told me that like over 50 times in the book of Luke, the table, Jesus is at the table. And Jesus ate a lot, didn't he? <laughs> uh, there was this celebration happening at the, at the table, and there was life and so much joy at the table. Um, today, I'm, I'm going to walk through just quickly through a storyline of Scripture that we find. Um, in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? It's like Sunday school all over again. Come on. You can do better than that. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And you remember like Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And, and now think about this in terms of food. God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat 
anything except, oh, you guys are awesome, except for fruit from one tree, the apple tree. I don't know why. Why does it always end up being the apple? Have you ever had a Honeycrisp apple? Oh, my goodness. And if you get a, a big jar of peanut butter and slice the apple and just dip it in there and then sprinkle some chocolate chips on the top, oh, it's not sinful, it's heavenly. Anyway, so it's interesting to me, isn't it interesting that the very first move away from God had to do with food? Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that? The very first move away from God had to do with the food that Adam and Eve wanted to eat that was off limits to them. It's interesting. Food causes all kinds of issues in our life, doesn't it? There's a lot of joy that comes with food, and there's also a lot of pain that comes with food. There's joy, there's pain, there's good, there's bad. Just to give you a quick glimpse, I'm going to let you guess this. How much money do you think we spend in the United States on dieting? $10 billion here. What else? Anybody else got a number? $41 billion, I heard. We spend in the U.S. alone, just the U.S., the dieting industry, between $50 and $80 billion a year on the dieting industry. And beyond that, the medical industry, we see over $50 billion a year in medical costs tied to or due to the way that we eat, our eating habits. Isn't that interesting? There is so much. I, I recently heard um, that, that American Christians spend more on dieting than we do world missions. That we spend more on dieting than we do world missions. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward again, <laughs> now that I've got your attention. No, no, it's just interesting, the, the whole idea of food, and there's, there's so much like negative and pain and evil when it comes to food, Adam and Eve eating of the fruit they weren't supposed to, and oftentimes we, like in our depression or in our anxiety, we go to food, ice cream, to find some security, to find some sort of peace, we think, or rest, and then we regret it, right? Like we, we binge eat, and then we re regret what we just ate, and we think, oh, I shouldn't eat that bowl of cereal before I go to bed, but oh, it's going to taste so good, and lucky charms, and, um, and, and so it's just interesting. There's so much evil and pain and challenge around food, but think about the joy with food as well. Think, think about how much joy there is in eating a meal, the right meal at the right. Think about Thanksgiving and what we do at Thanksgiving when we sit around the table, and I don't know what your table is like at Thanksgiving, but we go around and we talk about what we're grateful for. We talk about who we're grateful for in life. We thank God for all that he's done. There's just joy, and there's pain, and there's celebration, and there's also evil. Like, it's all of this. And with it, God has created this rhythm now, um, they didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to come back here. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been around someone who had no rhythm? <laughs> Maybe this morning you're around someone who had no rhythm. And when, like, when they start clapping, and then you just want the person next to you to quit clapping because it's throwing everything. Have you been around someone with no rhythm? Anyone? Or, or, so my, my, um, 
My grandparents, or my, my in-laws bought my kids drums once. I can't hear you very well. I mean, it's almost annoying when it's, it's so bad. But when, it, when it's in rhythm, there's something about when rhythm is found. Okay, that's enough. There, there's something about when rhythm is found that, that we, we find almost that there's more peace, right? When we get out of rhythm, it's, it's chaotic, it's painful to the ears. When you're out of rhythm, it's painful. When you're out of rhythm in life, it gets painful and chaos abounds. But when you find yourself getting back into rhythm, there's something comforting about it. Anybody fall asleep to the, um, the whirring of, of a fan above your head? Like there's this rhythm that begins to happen when you turn a fan on and it's, it's just like this. Some of you are like, I could do that right now, Matt. Just like, <laughs> there's just something about rhythm. And God created us as humans with, with a need for rhythm, a pattern. He did that with food. Like, like you can't just eat once for the week and be good. Like there's a rhythm to our eating that makes sense. And there's a rhythm of, of when we need certain things. And then there's, there's a rhythm that God creates certain festivals because he wants us to remember. Thanksgiving is our modern day example of a festival like God had created in the Old Testament. So I want to begin with this Old Testament story. And it's a story of God leading um, the Israelites out of Egypt and out of bondage and out of slavery to Pharaoh. And... Um, God says this through Moses. He says, this is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate this as a festival dedicated to the Lord, right? So he's going to put into place what we, what we know as the Passover. Have you heard about the Passover? So he's going to put this in, into place. And, and I think God wants there to be a rhythm to the Passover so that people begin to find peace in it. There's this regular remembrance that creates this, this pattern that leads people to peace and rest and trust in God. So he says, celebrate this festival for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. It's, it's this Passover feast. Now, have you ever eaten the Passover meal? Anybody ever eaten the Passover meal? I think last year, some of you have done it. It's, it's, it's an amazing and very symbolic all the way through the Passover meal. I think last year I brought some um, like raw horseradish and I invited someone to join me as we ate that horseradish, which was supposed to remind us of the bitterness of slavery. And there were all these little pieces tucked in to the Passover, but the Passover was this this rhythm of remembering God so that we would trust him and find peace in him. Now, fast forward. And we find Jesus with his disciples. And Luke tells us that the festival of unleavened bread, also called the Passover, was approaching. So, 
Here's the pattern that God's people had been in for hundreds of years. Every year, as the festival approaches, they would sit down, they would prepare a meal, they would work through the rhythm of the meal. Not only was it a rhythm like yearly, but there was a rhythm to the meal. They knew what was going to happen in the meal, and each piece of the meal reminded them of something from God and would cause them to trust him, that he was with them, that he would never forget them, that he would never leave them. And Jesus wanted his disciples, and I think he wants us to know that the same is true for us, that God will never leave us, God is always with us. God will never forsake us. And you know what? We can trust him. Like Jesus wants us to know that. And he wants us to find rest in that and peace in that. And he wants us to trust him. So so Jesus gathers his disciples and the festival of unleavened bread, the Passover is is approaching. So they found everything just as Jesus had said. Um, Jesus had told them as they entered into Jerusalem, now this is like the day before he's going to be crucified, right? So he enters into Jerusalem, they enter into Jerusalem, they find everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now Jesus knows what's going to happen, and so this was kind of in a secluded place, and they call it the, do you guys remember what they call it, where they did the last meal, last supper? The upper room, yeah, probably kind of tucked away, hidden away from people so they could just spend some time together all alone. And so Jesus sits down to have this meal with them. Do you guys know the painting, the famous painting of the the Last Supper? Who painted that? Da Vinci, and it has this picture of a long table, and all the disciples are sitting on the same side of it. That's a terrible representation. It's a great painting. Terrible. So, like, just forget about that for a couple minutes. Now, what it was probably like was was the table in that that day was probably set up almost like a U-shape, or, or let's say it's like a circle, almost like what we have here. And the disciples would sit all around it, and they would actually sit on the floor. So they wouldn't sit in chairs that are nice and comfortable where you can fall asleep and all of that like this. They would actually recline at the table. They would actually like kind of lay down at the table and lean into it like this. They might have some pillows or something like that where they could do it. And, and if you think about it, they were all sitting around the table so that they could see each other and talk to each other. So the idea of a straight table, they didn't have that. It was a kind of a round or U-shape so they could see each other and talk to each other and see what was happening. And Jesus began to work through the Passover meal with them. But Jesus was going to redefine everything about this Passover meal. So he's laying at the table with his disciples. And the first thing that he does is he takes a cup of wine. Some of you like Jesus even more now. He takes a cup of wine and he says, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I will not eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom. Now, the Passover meal had such a rhythm to it that even these little statements of Jesus would have caught the disciples off guard and they would have been like, what? You're suffering? I don't really know what you mean by that, Jesus. And then he says, uh, he takes the cup of wine on the next, yeah, he takes a cup of wine. He gives thanks to God for it. So he probably sang almost like a psalm, the, the thanksgiving. I would sing it for you, but I have no rhythm and no voice for that kind of thing. Anyways, he sings this thanksgiving and he says, um, take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. So the second time he says, I will not drink this again until the kingdom is fulfilled. 
Now, if you're a disciple, when is the next Passover meal coming? The next year. So Jesus saying this to them means he is, he's telling them this is the last time he's going to be with them. Like, this is it. Which just throws them. Well, we thought you would always be here. Like, you were establishing God's kingdom. Everything was going to change. And he's like, no, I'm, this is it. Now, um, at the table, there were a number of glasses of wine. And each wine uh, glass, they would have a blessing, and each wine glass had significance. This was the start of the meal, and then they would begin, they would dip something in a little cup, and they would eat that. And they were, they were working through the, this Passover meal, and Jesus was redefining it. So the first cup, and then later in the meal, it says that he took some bread. This is really important. The bread, which was unleavened bread, was a flat bread that reminded the Israelites that they didn't have time to wait. They had to prepare this bread quickly so that when God was leading them out of Egypt, they would be able to go, right? So it was a reminder that they had to watch and wait for God, and they would be able to get up and go at a moment's notice. You with me? So Jesus takes this bread, which was a reminder to always be ready and watching and waiting for God, and he breaks it And he gives it to each of his disciples, breaks it into pieces, and he says this to his disciples, this is my body, and it's given for you. And so eat this in remembrance of me. Now, if if you're a Jew in the first century, this is terrible. Why? Why? Because blood was unclean. A broken body was unclean. And here Jesus is taking something that's unclean that was supposed to remind them of something else and saying, now, this is my body which is broken for you. Take this and eat. And when you eat this, remember me. Do you see how this might throw them? Like the disciples are like, Jesus, you have lost your mind. But they take it and eat it. I think they probably didn't quite know what they were doing right then. They would later understand. Um, After the bread in the meal, in the progression of the meal, would come the main course. Do you remember what the main course was at the Passover meal? Lamb. Lamb. Yeah. Remember that lamb that was slaughtered? So that lamb would be the, the, the centerpiece of the meal. So Jesus would take the lamb and they would eat the lamb together. And then after the meal, after they had eaten the lamb, watch this, watch what he does. He takes another cup of wine. Now think about the significance of a lamb whose blood has been poured out, which for the, the Israelites of old represented uh, what they would put on the doorposts and then lead them out of slavery. Jesus then takes another cup of wine after they've eaten the lamb, and he says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Take this and drink. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm laying at the table and Jesus passes me a cup and says, this is my blood, drink this. I'm gonna like look at it, and I smell it, and I'm gonna drink it a little bit slowly, not knowing what in the world Jesus is talking about here. Blood, to a Jew, 
unclean. You do not touch this. Jesus was radically transforming this this rhythm of a meal, giving them a whole new picture of the table. He's calling them to, to take it and eat it in remembrance of him. Now, when we come to communion, like we'll do this morning, we have a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice, and this has become the, the sacrament, the tradition of the church. This is how we take the Eucharist. But I don't really think this is exactly what Jesus had in mind, to be honest with you. You can email me theological questions later, all of that. I'm not even going to, don at mcdowell.church. When, when Jesus, I think, instituted this and he says, you know, when you do this, remember me. I don't think he was just talking about a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. I actually think Jesus wanted us to have a meal together, like a Passover meal kind of experience, like a full meal. And it's why the early church celebrated what they call a love feast. Well, that sounds scandalous, doesn't it? A love feast. That's what they called it in the first century. It was a love feast and it was communion and everybody was welcome and everybody had plenty until the early church started messing with it and they would give those people who had more money, more food, and they would give those who had less money, less food. And it became this thing that Paul said, you guys are messing everything up. Quit it. Right? And eventually it became this little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. But I really think communion, as Jesus intended, was to be a long meal at a table with others. Like each piece of the meal, like remembering God's goodness to us. And a cup of wine reminding us of the sacrifice Jesus made, made for us. Now, let me throw out something a little bit. Are you with me one more, one more minute? Can I throw out one more crazy idea? So in the ancient world, one of the ways that you would propose to, to someone else is that you would, um, you would make a proposal by offering a cup to them. In the, in the Jewish world. Like you would offer a cup and, and it would be this, like I'm, I'm, I'm pledging myself to you and um, rather than get down on one knee and, and put a ring on the finger, it was I'm pledging myself to you and here's a cup. And it's a little bit, um, sometimes we think that, that the women had no choice in it, that it was all prearranged and some of that happened, but really there was a little bit of a choice there that she could make. And she could take that cup and drink it, signifying that she was all in on this as well. So it was like a proposal. What if Jesus with his disciples was proposing to them? Okay, I told you it was crazy. Like, what if Jesus was saying, I, I'm giving my blood for you. I am, I am I'm setting a covenant with you. And so when you take this and drink this, you are recognizing my love for you, but you're also committing yourself to me. Like, it's, it's Jesus is saying, I am all in for you. And will you be all in for me? Will you give yourself to me? Will you love me? I mean, what if, what if, like that would throw everything, wouldn't it? If it was actually like this, so the disciples were probably freaked out a little bit. It was kind of weird that maybe leaned into that. So here's, here's what happened um, that last night that Jesus gathered the table with his disciples. Um, so in the Passover, God was rescuing Israel 
Exactly. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. That is awesome. That was good timing. So for those of you who couldn't hear that, he actually had the Bible app opened and it started reading the scripture that we were just reading, which is awesome. Okay. Anyway, so um, what were we talking? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, in the Old Testament, every, uh, um, the lamb, through the lamb, God was rescuing Israel from slavery to Pharaoh, Right? And now, Jesus was redefining this meal, changing the entire meaning, and he was saying, through Jesus, through me, God rescues all of humanity from slavery to evil and sin. Like, that's what the meal was doing. That's what communion is all about. And that's why communion is such an important table for us to gather at. Because it's a reminder of what God was doing through Jesus for us. Um, every bite of bread that you take, not just today, but in your home, every time you, you take a bite of bread, what if you remembered the forgiveness you've received from God? Every sip of wine. What, what, if, what if every sip of, of wine was a taste of God's forgiveness, this everlasting reminder of his unfailing love and his invitation to the eternal feast that he provided? Like, what if... What if that was it? Every time we eat. Not, not just like when we take this like ritual, this, this little piece of bread and this little, like what if every meal you sat down at, you recognize God's presence and his forgiveness and his love for you and you leaned in just a little bit more to trust his grace, his love, and his peace for you. Now, here's the deal. We've said this throughout the whole series. Who's invited to the table? Everyone's invited to the table. Everyone's invited to the party. But here's the thing with an invitation. You have to receive it. You have to respond to it. Like God doesn't like give us an invitation and then force our hand in the matter. Like God says, you are welcome at the table. Come to the table. I have taken care of everything for you. I've prepared the feast. I've paid the ticket. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You cannot pay for it. You cannot find your way back to God. But he has done everything necessary to get you to the table. And now it's your, your choice whether or not you want to lean in to what God has provided for you. you know, every now and then I get to save the date and then an invitation to a wedding. And uh, I can even, like on that card, I can, I can check, yes, I'll be there. I'll take the beef, send it back. But I still gotta, gotta put on the suit get my bride, get in the car, drive. I can't pay for it. I can't earn it. The invitation was given freely, but I've got to, to take a step to get there. Are you with me? Listen, you're invited to God's table. And you don't have to bring a present. You don't have to try to pay for the meal. All you got to do is show up and everything's taken care of. Now, 
There's some of you in this room who've been hanging around Jesus for a long time. And you've just been, you just kind of been hanging around watching and looking at the church. And sometimes the church messes things up. Sometimes I mess things up and I, you know, I, I'm not Jesus. And you've been hanging around, you've been hearing about the invitation and today is your day. Today is your day to receive what God has given you. Some of you received what God gave you long ago, but you've, you've kind of wandered from the table. That happens to all of us, doesn't it? You kind of just wandered off the path and you've, you're wondering like, where am I right now? And it's time for, it's, it's time for you to, to t- take hold of the joy and the peace and the love that God has for you in Jesus. It's a free gift of grace for you. And it doesn't fix everything. It doesn't take the troubles away. But what it does is it gives you someone that you can trust and lean into. Someone who will love you through all manners of life. So that's the invitation for you today. Will you accept it? Will you take it? Will you take hold of it? Will you lean into Jesus a little bit more today? I'm going to invite you to stand. And our staff staff is going to come and and hold the communion elements in different places. We're going to serve you today in this way. And uh, we just want you to to step from where you are and come and take the elements and and take them back to your seat because we want to take communion together today. And so there'll be a bunch of us hanging around with the elements. If you want to take communion, you're welcome today. And so I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as we're kind of getting prepared and... um, I just, I feel like God wants some of us in the room just to come back to him and to take a step. And if that's you today, if God is nudging you to to take a step towards him and to trust him, would you just slip your hand up right now just so I can, so I can pray for you? Yeah, I see a couple of you. Yeah, yeah. God, in these moments, we we come to the table and uh, we receive what you have provided, recognizing your sacrifice. It's, It's only through what you've done that we have life. And so, God, we lean into that. We remember and we celebrate the good life of Jesus. And we trust that it wasn't just something that happened in the past, but that Jesus will return again. And we will enter into an eternal banquet with you. God, thank you for the gift of grace and love and peace and hope. And we lean in this morning in Jesus' name.